We have a lot of things to discuss, as usual, in the first hour on uh, this Saturday. And thankfully, as usual, he does this. He's up early. My friend, the columnist, the author, the broadcaster, the last guest host, the last new guest host that we ever tried out. And and did the Rush Limbaugh program. The one and only Derek Hunter is with me. And Derek, we have had a week that is uh, I, I the the word historic is overused so much. Yeah. This is historic. That's historic. This is historic. Technically, everything's historic. The second it happens, it's history. And if you care about that particular thing, it's it's historic. Supreme Court. These yeah. last four rulings. This. To me, as the I don't know. Let me just before I pontificate about where I believe this is, because I think one of them is particularly momentous. But I want to get your impressions or your thoughts about the Supreme Court rulings. The last four have everything that happened before them. People are like, yeah, 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 whatever. But these last four rulings, we had two that dealt with religious issues in the United States. Of course, affirmative action, and people are worried about the consequences there. And then the case about free speech that does all, when I say two, this ties into religion as well. It's one of the ones that ties into religion and free speech. And uh, then Biden gets crushed on the student loan, comes right back and says, ah, screw that. I got another student loan program ready to go. So your take on all of it. Normally, you're right. It's right before a holiday weekend, so it's a long weekend, and it's kind of a slow news time. But it's just because the calendar, the last day of June is the last day of the Supreme Court session. It happens to fall on a Friday right before the holiday weekend. So everything came to a head this week. It was not a good week to be Joe Biden. Democrats uh, lost more than they won. At the Supreme Court, it's kind of funny, earlier in the week when the uh, decision came down about uh, redistricting, Democrats were exceedingly happy. Where the Supreme Court was, was right on, legitimate again, for about 20 minutes. And then they started losing on other things, and they became illegitimate again. It's If you have situational ethics, you don't really have any ethics at all. If you have situational morals that are flexible and dependent upon the outcome, you don't really have any morals at all, and it just exposed Democrats for what they are. And so far as the other decisions go, it wasn't a good time to be Joe Biden. He overpromised and underdelivered on the uh, on the student loan forgiveness. What will be really interesting is if people look and see that Joe Biden knew this was the likely outcome. I mean, if you just go back in twenty twenty one in a town hall with CNN, he said that. Uh, he was maybe ready to do student loan forgiveness of $10,000, but he wasn't going to do $50,000 because he wasn't sure he had the power with a pen to do $50,000. Like, well, it's the concept that's unconstitutional. He knew full well. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no caveat, no secret clause in the, the Constitution that says the president can wave a magic wand and make money disappear up to a certain dollar amount. After that, it's a little ridiculous. There's nothing in there about that. So if you believe that the concept is constitutional, then you can do something. He doesn't try to argue that the concept was constitutional. 
I think he was arguing that if he does a small enough amount, then maybe people won't complain as much, but he'll be challenged constitutionally if he goes on and does bigger things. So that uh, will be interesting to see if he gets caught with some of the backsplatter for that. As far as the affirmative action case goes, MSNBC dragged out Al Sharpton to talk about because there's no greater civil rights leader. Did you know that as a black person that he has been your duly elected leader of black people? Uh, It's kind of rude of NBC News to take such an important and storied civil rights leader and tie him down with a contract to just one network, thereby denying the American people access on every network of his genius. But he was out there on Morning Joe talking about how this is a horrible decision because it will mean fewer black and brown people going to school because of historical discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. And realistically, what I find disturbing, James, is why is it that the so-called civil rights leaders and all these progressive leftists all over MSNBC and CNN they look at it and they say there's not enough people. They have to lower the bar in order to get enough of a certain type of person, a favored group, into various universities. And that's perfectly okay, lowering the bar. Never mind the fact that maybe the people aren't qualified to go to those schools and would, would suffer, actually. They might suffer from a less academically rigorous school because the real problem isn't at the finish line at the entry to college. The real problem is the public schools that churn out kids that aren't ready for college. And you should, just like the left always talks about the school-to-prison pipeline, the school-to-prison pipeline. We've got to stop the school-to-prison pipeline. And their solution is not to look at the schools that's producing all these potential prisoners, kids who have no hope and no skills, and turn to a life of crime rather than aspiration and inspiration, Instead, they go, we need to shut down the prisons. Well, you don't plug the hole where the school-to-prison pipeline comes out and think you've addressed the problem. You're still producing kids who can't read, can't write, don't see a future because of really bad progressive politics and policies and politicians telling them they can't succeed. All you're doing is stopping up that thing and making sure that people who do then go on to commit crimes are not incarcerated, which is where people who commit crimes belong to be, because the real solution to all of these things that Democrats whine about is to improve the education system. I want to jump in right there, Derek, because one of the things that was argued uh, afterwards was from Randy Weingarten. Yeah, of course. Okay, and she's another one just like Sharpton that does not ever get called out on the ridiculous things that she says. But inside one of the briefs that they submitted to the Supreme Court for this case, they said, and this is from the, the, you know, their union, the American Federation of Teachers. Their brief admits that colleges use racial preferences in order to increase the enrollment of minority students who are often less academically qualified because they've been trapped in rotten public schools. This is from an editorial today in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Our schools, quote, from kindergarten through 12 to higher education, still struggle to provide equitable opportunities for students of color. 
the National Education Association, lamented in its own brief. But why is that? Why do these schools struggle? And this is what the Wall Street Journal is asking. Part, and they say, because the unions fight educational choice for minorities, they protect bad teachers in low-income schools from accountability. They point out that um, the former Los Angeles Unified School District Superintendent John D.C. testified in a lawsuit brought by minority students last decade that it can take 10 years, 250000 to $450,000 to fire one lousy teacher. Fewer than 0.002% of teachers in California were dismissed for unprofessional conduct or poor performance. So teachers, bad teachers stay inside the system. And then it's estimated that in a single year, a single year with a grossly ineffective teacher can cost the classroom of students $1.4 million in lifetime earnings. Less experienced teachers are more likely to be assigned to schools in lower-income neighborhoods. That's just part of the problem. I'm going to go further, Derek. There is a story in the New York Times of a woman who says this. I teach at an elite college. Here's a look inside the racial gaming of admissions. She says one of her first jobs, and she thought it was a joke at first, was to make some applicants appear to be less Asian as they apply because the schools were admitting too many Asians and they didn't want to have all these, what the hell is going on over there? Stupid cat. Derek's cat is. <laughs> it just didn't have a bag, a plastic bag full of plastic bottles, and the damn thing, the kitten put his head through the handle. And I love it. Got stuck and was dragging it around got... <laughs> like jaws in those barrels. So, anyway, this, this woman is telling the truth about what happens inside. They have to make students look less Asian. Because there are so many Asians that have applied in these colleges that, and this is part of the where this lawsuit originated from, that they can't, they don't want the the students that actually have merit because there are too many Asians. Too many of you Asians are smart, and we have to we, we stand for diversity. We want to look a certain way. Never mind dealing with merit. Which, well, by the, the way, there is a diversity, James. They want different colored, like-minded drones. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't include thought. They do not include thought at all in the concept of diversity. Now, this goes back to something I was saying earlier this week on on the on the show, on the Rush Hour show. There is an issue inside black communities, and it is not supposed to be talked about. And I talk about it. And that is the culture itself is corrupted in many cases, not all cases, of course. Black culture, depending on what you're talking about, can rich history, history and but in other areas, you have this uh, underclass mentality that has been allowed to proliferate without any pushback from people like Sharpton. I don't think or, it's been allowed to proliferate. I think it has been fostered. 
you know, weeds. Okay. Dandelions right. will grow in my lawn, but my tomato plants were not allowed to proliferate. I planted them and make sure that they grow. All right, so this is what has grown. Yeah. This 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 anti-American mentality that you are oppressed and you are hated in your own country, you have no stake in your country. What is allowed to have grown is that uh, uh, in, in a certain segment, and again, I am not trying to generalize for everybody black, I'm saying a certain segment of the culture that if you do succeed, you're an Uncle Tom or something's wrong with you, if you speak English well, then you are you're, you're trying to be a whitey, or you're trying to uh, to uh, be something other than one quote unquote what a pure black is supposed to be. If you're a Republican, forget it. You're Uncle Tom. You're a traitor. You if you independently think different than the the normal mindset that's projected from the liberal left, then you're really a traitor to your race instead of an independent thinker. Independent thinking is not rewarded, appreciated, or promoted. It is you either go along with this liberal group think or else you're a race traitor. And you see that all the time, by the way. If you look at the supposed black people that you're talking about on NBC, PMS, NBC, and all the rest of it, it is that you fall in line with this philosophy or else. You also have kids going to school that are behavior problems, but no one checks the behavior problems. I went when I was speaking into one of the public schools in New York to do a speech. And the kids were just ridiculously out of control. Nobody's stopping. It's like, why am I here? I'm not here to talk to a bunch of thugs, a bunch of hood rats where no one's paying attention. If you go to, this is one of the things that blew my mind. And and I'll never forget this, Derek. And we'll go to a break, and then I want you to comment on the other side of it. Um, I remember Rush talking about an incident that happened near you, near Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C.'s public schools were among the worst in the nation. And they were spending more than almost any other school district. So they decided to have a a citywide parent-teacher conference. Citywide. Now, to accommodate parents' work schedules, they also had it catered. Look, we know that you're getting off work, and, and in some cases and going to come straight here so we'll have food for you we'll have everything laid out so that you because we want you to be comfortable every enticement you can think of to come and have a meeting about the, the your children your children long story short Derek more members of the media showed up for this parent citywide parent-teacher conference than did the parents of the kids going to the school system. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I contrast that. I used to visit a friend of mine who used to live in Mount Kisco in New York. And I made the mistake one day of going up to visit when it was open school night. The entire police force was out. It looked to me. Of course, I'm sure it wasn't everybody on the but. There was it. You would have thought it was morning rush hour traffic trying to get through town, because almost every parent that had children in that school were out going to the schools in that neighborhood to see their children's uh, teachers and to talk about their children's achievement. 
That alone to me will tell you the difference in what's going on. You can't you can complain all you want to about how oppressed you are, how miserable it is, how Whitey did this to you and did that to you, and how you need reparations for this and that. If you can't even have the energy to go visit your kid's school and get an honest assessment about your kid's education, then to me, it says it all. That's not what, how do you expect your kids to achieve if you as the parents are not pushing them or don't even have the least bit interest in checking their education? So all of this stuff, all this stuff that I hear from these teachers unions and from uh, Al Sharpton and from um, Michael uh, Eric Dyson, who Michael Dyson has said some things that I really want to explore if I have time. Um, he's he's one of these you know intellectuals and 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 sometimes I have to reread what he says three or four times before I think I understand it. He's saying that race itself is a merit, which I'm just like what the. But anyway, if you don't have the basic wherewithal to get your ass out of the house and go to your kid's school and say I need to find out what's happening with my kid in school, then don't talk to me about how oppressed you are. I will say before we go to a break that most of the chains of oppression you'll find if you look at them, if you logically disconnect emotionally from them, are self-placed in everybody. Everybody can feel like a victim. And really, ultimately, they are the result of various decisions. We can talk about the reasons for those decisions, but they're usually the results of decisions that the individuals have made. And it's weird. If you make bad decisions, you end up with bad outcomes. Oh, whoa. What a thought. If you make bad decisions, bad things happen. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Wow. Today, July 1st. Sad day in music history, 2005. Luther Vandross died. One of the greatest singers of a generation. So we're going to celebrate today with some Luther throughout the day with other people, of course. A little tribute to Luther Vandross. This is his first single. That was a hit. Under his own name. That's Marcus Miller playing bass, and Marcus Miller produced this one. The 
Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC. Four tops on WABC. Also in 2005, same day. Then Luther Vandross went for his heavenly reward. Four top singer Ronaldo Obi Benson died at age 69 in a Detroit hospital. Of course, Four Tops, one of the Motown greats. From uh, Derek, you grew up in Motown, right? I did. Been to the Motown Museum many times. Right there yeah. on West Grand Boulevard. You ever been to that? Yes, I have. I went to. Like, I, I, oh my God! This is just two houses put together from the bridge. And all this stuff. You know, I, I tell you what, Derek. The first time I went inside the into the studio where a lot of this was recorded, I had chills. It was still. I don't know. There was still like a vibe in the air. It was just, you, you the the equipment is still there. You the, you. It's an empty right. room. Well, it's a room filled with with uh, music uh, musical equipment, but all those pictures. It seems, in the pictures, it seems gigantic. Just like when I worked in the Senate. The first time I set foot on the Senate floor, like, the Senate is gigantic. I've seen it on television. You go in there, and like, it's not that big. It's not that big. Um, the studio where all that stuff came out. I imagine it's the same with Abbey Road. You sort of grant it a size based on what came out of it and the magic that came out of it. And you go in there, and you're like, this This really was like a, a bedroom. <laughs> they, they put a piano and some microphones in. And you know, maybe the master bedroom is a little bit bigger, but it's not much bigger than a living room if you get down to it. And how did they fit everybody in here? They had some amazing musicians, and those those songs are not, you know, three, you know, Guitar, bass, and drums. There's a lot of instrumentation in there, and they did it live. They did it live in the That's same. That's right. Room. And then you get like, Aretha in there, who could seemingly rip the. How did the walls still stand after she's in there? It's, it's amazing. A, that, that place has such history, and they're doing something in uh, Detroit now. From what I understand, they are expanding that whole Motown uh, thing to to really uh, capture the history in a lot of different ways. I think that me, back in the day they owned a lot more houses. The houses around the museum have been torn down. There's just been a lot of decay in Detroit. And I think maybe they're buying up the, the vacant lots near them because it does, it does need more. They have too much history to fit in those small houses. Yeah, so supposedly they are doing something. With that, let me invite also, uh, while, you, while you're while here, I want to invite those of you, and I understand this. I understand that there are a lot of people who are looking at this and thinking, oh, this is terrible. The affirmative action has been crushed down. There are news reports, uh, of course, of how this is going to bleed into other aspects of our society, that now uh, businesses will be looking at this ruling and adjusting their programs uh, for how they hire because they will be afraid of lawsuits based on the same premise of what has happened with this decision. And I understand that there are a lot of people who are looking at this saying, I, you guys are out of your minds. This is going to be harmful. This is going to be terrible. Well, I would ask and so I'd like people to, it, why it is the concept of merit terrifies them. Just like the concept, because the problem isn't the end result. 
if you if you if merit scares you because there's no inherent difference between people and their skin color and their ability to learn their ability to achieve the problem comes in in the conditioning that people get in the education system they're told you can't get ahead they're told don't try look it's it's the system is rigged against you don't bother and then you look at a a Barack Obama, and you go, well, how did you escape the system? Neither one of your parents wanted anything to do with you. You're raised by grandparents, and yet you became president of the United States. How is that possible? They never want to answer that because their own personal stories undercut their arguments. Elizabeth Warren won't shut up about how the system is rigged against everybody and everything, yet she is a noble Native American growing up on an Indian reservation. I don't might want to fact check me on that one, but... Uh, just going by what she says. Um, she managed to achieve quite a bit in her life. They're both multi, multi-millionaires, and it's always these people who've done it who say it can't be done because the system is rigged, and you go, well, then how did you do it? Are you that special? And they believe that they're that special, but no, they also know that the key to their continued political success is to convince other people of this crap. So if you really care, you don't go, well, we need to lower the finish line. We need to figure out what the hell goes on along the course to make things different. You don't, in the case of admissions and affirmative action, if there's some kid, if you're racing against Usain Bolt, me, you, and Usain Bolt are are racing uh, the 100-meter dash, he's going to kill us every single time. It doesn't matter. We don't get better by putting 200-pound weight vests on him. We get a little closer to, we, we lose by a little less, but we're not getting any faster, James. We only get faster through coaching, through practice, through exercise, through repetition. In the education system, if you drop the finish line and admission for college, you're not actually teaching people anything. You but, Derek, what to- I want to do is also invite people that have a different point of view to call in because there are different points of view out here. There are points of view that, um, that, the, that look, and, and I don't think this part can be denied. There are inherent, uh, there are, look, I, I talk to people in Hollywood, for instance, mm. and they talk to me about this, the problems that black creators still have getting their work done in Hollywood. Now, mm. I grant you that Hollywood's not run by a bunch of conservatives, so I can understand it. There are still people that have issues because they feel and because i guess because of the structure of these uh, certain industries and the way that people are treated tech industry where you see people that are even qualified in some cases who still have problems entering the system or doing well in a system and i don't want to give that short shrift i don't want to say that everything is rosy and all you have to do is work hard and You'll get everything because there are issues. I maintain that most of the issues that we have, you will find because of liberals and progressives in charge of various industries. That's why we get the stereotypical view of black people that we do. Talking about Hollywood the Hollywood and tech right there. Is, They're not bastions of Right, Hollywood and tech. Right. So I'm not going to say that, that there aren't any problems here. But I've always believed, and so I want to invite anybody that has an opposing view to please call in, and you will. We'll have a respectful discussion with you about your point of view. And I'm not going to pretend that everything's rosy here with this. But what I am going to say is that I think we may 
have an opportunity with these decisions to correct something. And that I want to transition, Derek, when we come back from the next break, into this next story about the other ruling, this story that came out, the ruling in Colorado Mm -hmm. about the LGBTQ and the web designer. So let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Derek Hunter is with me, 800-848-WABC is the number. And you are welcome to call. Uh, Ronaldo Obi Benson, who we talked about from the Four Tops, co-wrote this song with Marvin Gaye. You know the song. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurly with you here at Saturday morning. Have that cup of coffee with us. WABC Talk Radio 77, crown jewel of American radio. Glad you're here with us. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Michael Jackson, 2009, one week after Michael Jackson died. Four albums for Michael Jackson dominated the Billboard charts. The Essential Michael Jackson, Thriller, Off the Wall, and the Jackson 5 Ultimate Collection. Then you had others that were selling as well. The Dangerous Album, Greatest Hits, History, the Michael Jackson Ultimate Collection. so many inappropriate jokes I want to make, but I'm going to let it slide. What did you say, Derek? I did. I, what was that? I said there's so many inappropriate jokes I want to make about that, but I'm going to let it slide. And I will say that about Luther Vandross, I be, the first thing I know Luther Vandross ever did, and it wasn't during my lifetime, but I, not, I remember this, but he, uh, he, collabor- he sang backup. He did backing vocals on Fame by David Bowie and John Lennon. Yeah, and then the first time I heard of Luther Vandross, believe it or not, was for a commercial that he did, and everyone wanted to know, who was this singer on this commercial? And it was for one of the news stations here in New York. How did he and, die? Uh, he didn't die that young, but he looked He young. had a long he illness. He died unexpectedly. Yeah, he had a long illness. He, um, he kept he, hidden. Yeah, two years. He had a stroke, and it was two years of lingering, sadly. I remember when I worked in a record store, it was, you know, not very often do men achieve the single name status of like a Cher or Madonna. And it might have been aided by the fact that there aren't a whole lot of Luthers running around. But the ladies would come in and ask, for, where's Luther? We didn't work with a Luther. I knew what they were saying. It wasn't like Luther's in the back room stalking. No, they knew what they wanted. And uh, yeah. they wanted it from their men and they wanted it to Luther. 
I had lunch with him before he became a big star. Uh, one of my friends was a record promoter with when he was on the Atco label. And um, she said, want to go to lunch with, with one of our artists? I'm like, sure. So we go to the Horn of Plenty. It was in the village. It was a great restaurant. And uh, her name was Brenda, and Brenda, Luther, and I had lunch together. And Luther was just such a nice guy. This was before his meteoric rise. What were you doing and that, that, that wanted to wine and dine you? I was a music director at okay. WABC. All right. And um, so, yeah, so I had to have opportunity to have lunch with him. That, that was a great position. I got a chance to meet a lot of people. I had dinner with Jermaine Jackson one night and some of the others. And I used to get, you know, calls to do stuff like that. It was fun. But Luther was just an extremely nice guy. And then I, I knew some of the people that worked with him over the years. And he was just, uh, everyone just, he's one of those guys that you don't hear anything, you know, anything like some weird temperament stories from him or anything else. No. He was just an artist, artist. He was just really just a, a, a lovely guy. And he was just a great, great, incredibly great vocalist. I don't think there's going to be another Luther Vandross ever. You know, he was, uh, he was a unique guy. Mm. Um, I want to talk about this case, Derek, and we do have some calls. I want to get to some calls with you and, and the callers. But I want to talk about this case with the 6-3 to three decision on the 303 Creative versus Alinus. Mm -hmm. This is the one in Colorado that blocked Colorado from forcing a graphic designer, Lori Smith, to create websites for same-sex couples you cannot compel with messages that... person to act against their religious beliefs. Yes. Now, this caused Joe Biden. Okay, this this is what caused Joe Biden to say this is not a normal court. Yeah. For the first time in history, the SCOTUS has greenlit discrimination against a protected class, is what Democrat representative. I love uh, the protected Judy class because Sonia Sotomayor used the protected class thing in her dissent. And it's weird. When liberals lose a case, the media focuses a lot on the dissents. Um, that it says really don't matter, but the protected class. Well, the United States of America, we're not supposed to have protected classes. Um, you went right where I wanted to go. You went right where I wanted to go with this. Where in the Constitution does it say there is a protected class of Americans? Everybody's equal, but some people are more equal than others. It's a bizarre concept to me. It's an, a frustrating concept to be discussed as though it's perfectly normal to accept that some people are better than other people, are different than other people. We just got done with Pride Month, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's it's so oppressive, is it, in this country for, for various people for whatever reason. I, uh, man, if I wish we were all as oppressed as the people who claim to be oppressed are on this case because in no way, shape, or form is it at all true. You First of all, the Masterpiece Cakes thing, they keep going after that guy. They hate that he exists, and that's the way the left functions in a lot of things. Says, you exist wrong, I must destroy you. Um, I don't want to eat anything made by somebody who doesn't want to make it for me, right? I'm a conservative. Thank I go, you. I go into a restaurant, and there's a big Antifa lib on the grill. I'm not going to, and he goes, we don't really want to have you. Here, he doesn't like your politics. He knows who you are. He read your column, thinks you're a horrible person. I'm not going to say, don't worry about it. Just go back there and make my pork chop or my chicken because you, know, you won't undercook it or anything or miss it. No, I don't want to eat your food. I'm not interested <laughs> in that. And I'm sure as hell not going to say, bake me a cake as fast as you can 
and I'm going to eat it. It'll be like Frank Costanza when he went back to cooking in Seinfeld and everybody was getting sick. I don't want that. It's bizarre. But the left, they don't really want Masterpiece Cakes to make the cake. They don't really want 303 Creative to design the website. They want the power to force them to do it because then you, if you are, have the power to force people to do things, then you have the ultimate power over them. You have power over them not only professionally, but then you begin to impact them personally. They'll keep their mouths shut. They'll keep their opinions to themselves. And there's one thing that the left hates more than anything else. It is thoughts that they disagree with, that they don't approve of. And those spread through conversations and common sense. And they try to tamp them down like Bug, like Daffy Duck smashes down Bugs Bunny when they tunnel up through the and come out in the cave of gold. And Daffy's like, down, 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 mine, 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 stomping him down. That's how the left is with things they don't like, they don't agree with. This is just another example of that. Obedience is all they want. They might not get you to believe, but if they can get you to shut up and comply, it's the same thing. Nancy Pelosi says that no business or organization open to the public should be allowed to mask discrimination behind the guise of free speech or religious liberty. Now, I want to just parse that for a minute. She assumes that that people that have legitimate religious beliefs are bigoted, number one, which means... Christians, if you believe that, you know, I understand that that, that right now same-sex marriage is legal and accepted, but if you still hold on to that antiquated religious belief that marriage is between a man or a woman, you're discriminating, and you're using your religious liberty as a guise. You are just, you don't really believe it. You're just using it as a guise to hate people. Mm-hmm. That is the message that you're getting about your religion from Nancy Pelosi. We got to love that coming from the devout Catholic Nancy Pelosi. She looks at the Catholicism and says, "I like that part. I don't like that part. I like that part. I don't like that. that's not Catholic." As a as a Catholic, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that Nancy Pelosi is not a devout believer. But you, you love they never look at it from the other point of view, James. You, you're discriminating against people because of their religion. You're discriminating, and more than that, you're compelling action on their behalf, action against their will. They don't seem to care about that because one group votes overwhelmingly for Democrats, and the other group is closer to 50-50. And it's always agenda uberalis, always said in the German, it's original German for the purposes of accuracy. That's how the left functions. The 99.9% friend is their 100% enemy. You have full compliance or you will be destroyed. That's how they operate. So I will point out that Nancy Pelosi, you read Nancy Pelosi's tweet. It's weird. Nancy Pelosi tweets on everything. She weighs in on everything. You got Hakeem Jeffries up there as the, the face. But Nancy Pelosi is still the effective leader of Democrats in the House of Representatives. She hasn't said word one, tweeted one word about the uh, student loan decision because yep. she was exhibit one 
Exhibit A yeah, I love that. in the case against <laughs> Joe Biden. So she doesn't want to remind anybody of anything. She doesn't want to, She wants to pretend she wasn't even in town that month. I love that. Sal in Staten Island, you're on WABC. Derek Hunter, James Golden here with you, both nearly Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. How are you, Sal? Good morning, Bo. I'm fine. Love your show. I listen to you every Saturday morning. Thank you. So what's on your mind? Uh, well, I think you hit the nail on the head before when you were talking about parent-teacher night. Um, I can tell you that when I go to my son's school, um, sometimes I have to wait an hour on a line just to see one teacher. That's how crowded it is. And I, I think that's a really important fact that you brought up. But um, I want to tell you uh, around this court decision um, how it affected my son personally real quick. Uh, my son came out of middle school from a uh, public school. He got a full academic scholarship to one of the finest uh, high schools in our area. Um, in the past four years in that school, he did very well. He was one of the top students. For the four years, he maintained a 101.5 average, received fives on all his AP tests, which is a pretty big accomplishment. And between his junior and senior year, he was accepted into the Wharton School of Business Summer Finance Program with, you know, the brightest kids from all around the world. He met kids from all around the world there. So when he put in for all his colleges, naturally Wharton and UPenn was at the top of his list, uh, along with some other Ivy Leagues and some, you know, uh, a lot of other good schools. But it was really interesting that with all his accomplishments and everything he did, and he was involved in a lot uh, in the community, uh, he was rejected from all the Ivies uh, and a lot of other good schools. And uh, it was very strange. All these kids that he met from all over the world at this uh, summer finance program, none of them got into this school either. And uh, I'm, I'm all for everyone having an opportunity to go to the best schools. Absolutely. But I personally believe it should be based on merit, you know. And my son didn't come from a fancy grammar school. He went to a public school. And he worked his way up to that level. Now, thankfully, he got a full scholarship to a very, very good school uh, in the country here. And I asked him yesterday if uh, I said, listen, why don't you send an email back to Wharton, back to these Ivy League schools and say, listen, based on the recent decisions, can you reevaluate my application? You know what he told me? He said, what? if they didn't want me for what I did then I don't want to go there. This school, which is a really, really good school that he got a full scholarship to, he said, they offered me this. They want me there. That's where I'm going. I love it. What a great story. Thank you, Sal. We appreciate it. We got to run to a break. Derek, I'd love to hear your comments on that when we get to the other side. Number one on the UK charts on this day, 1975, 10CC, one of their big hits. I'm not in love. James Golden, most nearly WABC, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back, more of your calls, more Derek Hunter, right after this. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
brings us back. Derek Hunter is with us. Derek, you want to respond quickly to the last photo that we had? Son didn't get into, uh, despite an amazing record of achievement, couldn't get into one of the Ivy Leagues. Well, I don't know the particulars. There are people who will get in and people who won't get in, but it really should be based on merit and the idea that merit is somehow racist is probably the most racist idea that I've heard. You sit there and because implicit in that is that certain people, based on their melanin levels, are incapable of achievement. That's not the well. Case, the scholar Eric Dyson talks about that. He says when we talk oh, about yeah. race, yeah, but he, race he, his is own merit. Story, how did Eric Dyson manage to do it? How did Michael Eric Dyson? You're not supposed manage? to ask that question. I know Just you're go not. with it. I know you're not. And why is it that maybe uh, black and brown children who don't go to school, public schools in Democrat-dominated for generations areas, manage to do much better? Because most of the kids that get into these schools that do achieve are not from Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, Philadelphia, St. Louis, et cetera, et cetera. They are from the suburbs where maybe not it's, it's not complete Republican control, but the liberals there sure as hell aren't about to, who fund the Democratic Party, sure as hell aren't allowed to let their, going to let their schools uh, go into disarray. They have accountability. They have standards there. But in the enclaves where you get an 80% vote for Democrats for the last 70 years, why bother focusing and, and putting out the energy when you can just get teachers union members to give you the, your campaign funding, 90% of your campaign funding? So if you really want to change the end result, change the beginning, bring some accountability to the table, demand accountability. But you can't do that. It's wildly unpopular, and I'm probably a hate monger for even suggesting it. Well, I think, now let me just ask you one question to wrap this up, and we'll be back next hour, folks. Your call is 800-848-WABC. I want to, as again, and I'm going to suggest that people listen. I understand that not everybody agrees with what you're hearing here, and I'm going to invite you again. If you have a disagreement, bring it. But bring rationale uh, Derek, for do you it. think? Bring a reason for it. Well, that's what I want to hear. And I want to have discussions with people. Yeah. Because there are people that think differently than us, Derek. Oh, absolutely. But there are a lot of people who think, who disagree without necessarily thinking about it. They can't make a case. They just disagree. Their spidey sense tinkles, whatever it is. So I would just suggest that uh, try and explain. Because in trying to explain why you feel a certain way, and I really don't care how people feel. I care what they think. What they think explains how they feel rather than the other way around. Um, if you really explore what you're thinking, you might come to a different conclusion. But I think most people just grab on Maybe. the feeling. Where can people find you, Derek? Uh, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. You search the Derek Hunter Podcast. I'll be on WMAL today from uh, D.C. from 4 to 7. You can find that at WMAL.com and at Town Hall four days a week, The Hill on Wednesdays. I don't get a day off, James. I love it. Derek Hunter, thank you for being with us, my friend. Thank you. James Golden, a case early Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming back after the news. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.